Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble. In fact, each story into the game is golden. What is up? I'm Heath. I'm Monkey. Welcome back, Monkey. Thanks. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. We're coming to you every day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup. And this is what we have got for you today. We hear from Scottish goalkeeper Shannon Lynn. The man known as Ellie is bringing you everything you really need to know about Japan and Argentina. Plus, guys, don't forget to subscribe on all the podcast forms, Apple, Spotify, Acast, and leave us a review as well. Because to be honest, me and Heath want to carry on doing this forever and ever and ever. I'd like that. So if you do that, that'd be great. But first of all, we've got a little recap and five things you need to know about going into the day. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Number one, uh, Jamaica are heading home. They scored a goal, zero points, but they're the first team in history to concede a hat trick in three consecutive FIFA World Cup games, both men's and women's tournaments. Not a proud moment, but... I was excited to have Jamaica here. Yeah, me too. That's yeah. a, that that it's not so, a, that statistic kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, but it was cool to have them here, and their story was really cool as well. Yeah, and I think it's an example again of uh, of the fact that they made the World Cup here after after falling short last time, mm-hmm. and now it's room for progress. Right now, they can go back and say we made the World Cup. Let's fund this program even more so we can com- actually compete at the World Cup. I heard a story as well that Umbro didn't make them an away kit because they didn't think that they were going to make it through to the World Cup. So when they eventually got here, they were like, shit. Is that- and had to make one suddenly. Is that true? Apparently so. Wow, that's crazy. Number two, history maker. Sam Kerr hits Australia's first ever hat-trick at a senior World Cup for either men or women. She scored all four in the Aussies' 4-1 win over Jamaica. Yeah, that title was supposed to be History Maker. Did I say Is making? That, you just said maker. You have to sell the curb. Maker. Uh, maker. Oh, yeah, it's a pun. Yeah, Ooh. sorry. We're fine with that, though. Uh, moving on to number three, a magic moment for Marta. A lot of rhyming there. Uh, the Brazilian is now the all-time top goal scorer in World Cup Finals history, overtaking Germany's Miroslav Klose. You smashed the German name there. I was looking at it like, I'm not sure if he's going to... But he's got this because he's cultured. Yeah, I travel. <laughs> Number four. If you're not first, 
you're last. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did a really good accent there. Say that, say that one more time. If you're not first, you're last. That's well done. Shake said, and bake, baby. Shake yeah, and bake. You said that better than me. Italy finished first, Australia second, and Brazil through on third, despite earning only six points. Despite earning six points. Six points yeah. is a. Oh, wait, a lot no, to six points third. is fine. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah. Six points is great. It's just weird to finish third with six points. Yeah, that is weird because that group is hard. Yeah, it's a hard group. Unexpected Italy there. Uh, and then looking forward, number five, Japan play against Inglaterra uh, or England, and Scotland play against Argentina. What do you have for those? Quick predictions. England, obviously. I'm going to go Scotland again. Yeah? Yeah, you, I'd like you, them to you, win a game. You're, you're riding for them. Yeah, come on. United they, Kingdom. Argentina and Scotland could potentially get through. Was mm. that? Was there something to that? Yeah, they um, both could get through. They, the odds are still there. Yeah. It's still possible. Cool. Well, those are the five things you need to know going into your day. Copper 90. Whilst on the FIFA rankings, they may lag four places behind the English in seventh, and the Lionesses recently beat them 3-0 at the She Believes Cup. When it comes to major tournaments, the Japanese are a force to be reckoned with. Continental Champs is the winners of the 2018 and 2014 Women's Asian Cup. The real measure of the team is their previous two World Cup campaigns, where Nadashiko, as their nickname in Japan, defied all expectations by making the final two tournaments running, most famously winning it in 2011. But perhaps due to their underwhelming She Believes Cup tournament, or perhaps due to their very young squad, there isn't much talk of the Japanese going as far as the final for a third time in a row. But with a few of the 2011 winners still in the squad, and a reputation for thriving when given underdog status, all the Group B talk focusing on England will suit the Japanese just fine, as they'll be aiming to go deep into the competition while the rest of us focus on the other powerhouses of the tournament. But here's why you should really care. Inside Inside School. Whilst almost all men's national teams have a nickname they're synonymous with in their respective homeland, a lot of women's national teams are still fighting to establish their own nicknames into the psyche of their broader public. However, this isn't the case in Japan, where almost everyone, football fan or not, knows exactly what you're talking about when you mention Nadeshiko. A term for the lacy pink carnations found in the mountains of Japan, it's also the nickname of the Japanese women's national team, who became overnight celebrities when they defeated the odds-on favorite USA to win the 2011 Women's World Cup. The historic win sent the Japanese public Nadeshiko mad, and upon returning, the team who left the tournament with barely a dozen journalists and very few fans came home to absolute delirium up and down the country, most notably in the Kanagawa prefecture town of Yamoto, birthplace to several of the team's star players who put on a homecoming parade of over 10,000 people. But it didn't stop there. Nadeshiko became the first sports team to receive the People's Honor Award from then Prime Minister Naoto Kan. Kit sales soared so high that the next kit Adidas created for them was their first ever exclusive women's kit. Attendances for the team soared wherever they played and the TV viewership for Nadeshiko games started outrating the viewership for men's national team games. Individually, the stars of the tournament also benefited. In the short term, with Coca-Cola Japan announcing a three-year contract worth nearly a million euros for Nadeshiko star Homare Sawa, and long-term, with many post-retirement, earning careers as respected TV commentators on not just the women's game, but the men's game too. All this coming from a country who only a few decades ago had such a patronizing mentality towards the female game that women's tournaments saw players use smaller pitches, a special girls ball, 25-minute halves, and the allowance of hands if they were used to protect the chest. But perhaps the most notable legacy of 2011 success was the change to the meaning behind the famous nickname itself. You see, as well as its reference to the flower, 
The word narishiko is also linked to the Japanese word Yamato narishiko, a centuries-old term used to praise the unadorned, clean beauty of a Japanese woman. These days, considered by many to be a problematic term synonymous with the conservative concepts of Japanese femininity. But according to many, thanks to the efforts of the national team of the past decade, who followed up their 2011 heroics by going to the final again in 2015, and of course winning two more Asian Cups, that meaning has shifted and has now become a byword for brave, determined battlers rather than fragile mountain bloomers. And whilst like the last two World Cups, very few are predicting another Japanese run to the final, if Narishiko can emulate their heroics and defy the odds, the term Narishiko might just need another reinterpretation for this incredible side. Girls' balls? That is some bullshit. Yeah, it What's is. What's that about? How big were they? Were they like really small or something? Are they pink? Pink. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a term that they used to say, a derogatory term in fashion was pink it and shrink it, was like a thing that they would do when they would release lines of clothing of like, oh, here's how we'll make it for women. You pink it and shrink it was like the plan. And it's like, obviously, you now- make, You make it pink and make it small? Yeah, make it pink and you make it small. And that was ha- what they considered making women's sports clothing. Whereas now we're starting to see all the brands making women-specific things, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so do you know what though? Some brands still make women's sports stuff in like really ridiculous colors instead of just like normal colors, like black and blue and gray and white. Like you're walking, it would be like fluorescent pink, fluorescent yellow. Like all the colors of the Power Rangers, the women Power Rangers. I'm not going to wear that. But a lot of people don't have, both men and women don't have a will or need to feel like high fashion or what's trendy. Like if you look at most stores, I would assume that your style, you've got a great style, Cheers, at least mate. in my opinion, um, isn't going to be the same findable in most women's stores, generally speaking, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you what though, went to a few outlets in the States when I was on tour there and all the women's stuff is in normal colors. Okay. And in like bright colors as well. Again, I, I think it just goes down to like being an athlete in the States is quite normal. Yeah. As a woman. It's a big difference. And, yeah. and just a lot of, I think the emergence of, of the acceptance of, of leggings, not acceptance, but like <laughs> leggings has become a thing over the last years of black leggings. Do you wear leggings? Some blokes, blokes wear leggings. No. I, I, I mean, my jeans have like a mix of like a, a stretchy legging type material, like, like oh, a jegging they? type thing. Not quite jeggings, but yeah. like it's like a, some sort of hybrid material. But that's just to keep the, the, the elasticity stays comfortable and you can wear them all day long. It's not like really rigid, which I've always, I've had to do for like, until I had my hip surgery, I couldn't wear regular jeans because it would like pinch my hips when I sat down. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You can call them jeggings, man. That's cool with me. They're not jeggings. <laughs> they're, they're meggings. <laughs> now, uh, but yeah, back to France. Uh, I mean, back to, uh, I'm flustered. Uh, back to Japan. That's who it is. Uh, they play against England for, to win the top of the group. How about that, huh? Let's talk about that thing real quick, huh? Yeah, man. I'm, uh, is anybody else sweating in here? Or am quite, I the only one that's hot? No, it's hot today. I'm feeling warm right now. A little flush. It is warm today. Red's face is feeling a little red. Uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Those jeggings a bit, bit yeah. tight. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing shorts today. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, so uh, you are. It's uh, hot here today, though. It's, it's very hot today in Paris. How was your trip? It was fun. It was really, really fun. Um, the crowd were really cool. I played that club a few times, and it always kind of goes down well. So, I yeah. predicted that it would be a bunch of drunk Brits 
You did. I heard that. Pretty much is, correct. Yes, yeah. that was about right. Um, yeah. While you were gone, though, I, I actually got a compliment from somebody, and they, they went to my DMs to compliment you, which I thought was <laughs> cool, but also just like, where's the love for me? It didn't include anything for me. Was this. Listening to the pod, I miss Monkey. <laughs> Been listening every day to you guys, and you're doing a great job. Like, uh, applause from Cleveland. American flag soccer ball emojis. Shout out to you. What's, what's the name? Did they live in a- uh, That was Chris Eaton. Big old Chris Eaton. Chris Eaton. Um, There was one more, actually, that somebody just posted today. Weird. Like, the first time it said, enjoying this too much. You got tagged in it, too. Enjoying this too much in relation to, like, they reshared our our podcast Mm. and then tagged the two two of us in it. That's cool. And that was uh, Topo Maceda. Big name. So I've been doing this thing. I say I've been doing this thing. I've been doing it for a day where I've, like, limited myself on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do that on your phone now. I didn't know you could do that until yeah, like two days ago. I get it by 9 a.m. in the morning right now. Because we're, 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 we're like working late. Yeah. It starts at 12.01. And so sometimes right. on my walk home or when I get home, I'll just sort of decompress and sort of catch up on the day. Yeah. And then I'll wake up in the morning and go on, on Instagram. It. And yeah, it'll yeah. be like after 10 minutes, it'll be like, you've reached your daily limit. I'm like, what is going on here? But what, I is it, what is your daily limit? I think it's an hour. Yeah, mine's an hour. Because I, look, I looked on the screen screen like time or whatever mm-hmm. for the first time the other day and i was like that's disgusting mine's a lot here a lot higher than usual but that's only because i'm not really using my laptop to research things i'm yeah. i'm sort of just trying to find information all the time via my phone see that's weird because mine's down by by 40 percent since i've been here wow i think because i'm just like got people to talk to could be yeah <laughs> humans <laughs> oh human interaction i'm enjoying this yeah well, you're, you know, you're, you're eating up 45 minutes of your day on this podcast. That's true. You know? a whole It'd be rude minutes. if you were, if you were scrolling the gram while I was talking. You're like, no, 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 for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. Great, great point. Great point there. You're- hey, I've been watching um, that Formula One documentary on Netflix, bit off topic, but still sports. And it's sick. I'm not into drop. I'm not. Oh, this is a football and entertainment podcast. So entertainment. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) sports and entertainment. And entertainment news. I'm not into like driving or Formula One at all. But this is amazing. It's crazy how political it is. Do you have to be into driving to like Formula One? That was a very distinct Uh, distinct, statement. You're like, I'm not in. But you drive. I do drive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not like, woo. I'm driving. Although I do like my car. Got nice. It is a really, really good film series. It's actually made by Box to Box Films, who did the Ronaldo doc. Um, and a couple others. Yeah, it's so they funny how like friends of Copa ninety. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, really Big good up people. You they guys. did. They actually did a panel and a screening at uh, the World Cup last year for us in our clubhouse. So a really interesting thing that they pointed out, which I didn't know, was that if a new owner comes into a team of two people, they can just like switch out a driver. For example, their son, they can just put in a, in a car. Yeah. Imagine if they did that in football. Like, imagine my dad bought Man City and he's like, right, you're playing right wing now. I'd get fucking found out so fast. <laughs> First of all, I'd be like your best friend because your dad owns Man City. He totally which is a pretty, can't do yeah. That. yeah, that would be so bizarre. But why couldn't they? In theory, why couldn't they? Why yeah, couldn't I mean, an yeah, owner come in? I mean, owners are, are relatively disliked, right? Yeah. I'd say the majority are, they're just like commissioners, like league commissioners. They're not well-liked because they have a different perspective. There are quite a few sort of, bad owners or or ones that have the wrong 
moral compass, I guess you yeah. could say. But they have to balance an actual business, right? Whereas for us as fans, we just want to watch a team entertain us and know that we can trust in this to continue to be consumers of this this sport. But actually, if you could paint the picture of an owner now and they were like, well, I could just like stop funding your team or you could just let my kid play. Sign my know, son. Yeah. It, it would be bad though, like if they were in the roster, if they were in the squad, right? When Kaká went to AC Milan, his brother signed for AC Milan. Nowhere near the quality of the player. Do you think that was part of the, like, the deal? 100%. Really? There is no way that... Love the guy. I, I played with him um, for a short time. Mm. His name's Digao. Love the guy. But it, this was AC Milan. Would he agree with you? Totally. <laughs> he was making crazy money and he was on loan for five years straight. You're telling me that that was like an acquisition that was built around... I mean, big ups to, to Kaká for taking care of his family. Yeah, bring it. Yeah. But also, there's, you can't tell me that that's not, there's not something more to that. Because he wasn't AC Milan quality. He was literally on loan from the day that he got here. That's interesting. Or got there. I, I didn't play at AC Milan, so I can't say here. <laughs> Since he got to our club. <laughs> you remember when Usain Bolt tried out for Man United? Yeah. Yeah. But he obviously didn't get in. But he ended up playing in Australia, didn't he, or something? No, he never signed that deal. Oh, he didn't? No, they couldn't come to terms. But Chad Ochocinco, do you remember who he was in the NFL? No. He was one of... So there was Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco. He changed his name. His name was Chad Johnson, and he changed it to his jersey number in Spanish, officially. <laughs> changed his name to Chad Ochocinco. Why? Because he's a legend. That's why. Because <laughs> like he was like Meta World Peace in the NBA, where they just like... This is Ron Artest, changed his name to Meta World Peace... Right. And then Chad, Ocho, Chad Johnson changed his name to Chad Ochocinco. He tried out for Sporting Kansas City. Wait, was he like a tall Hispanic? No. <laughs> he just changed his name to Ochocinco. His jersey was 85 and he, he put Ochocinco uh, on it's it. It's like when a DJ like tries, is like from the UK and goes to make tech, techno in Berlin and like put, gives themselves a DJ, like a German DJ name. And then you find out they're from Leamington Spa. Yeah. And you're like... DJ Fructose. Yeah. It's not the same. Is yeah. It? Is it a, a faux pas now in the music industry to have DJ in your name? Uh, no. It's just uncommon, I think. Yeah. Unless, yeah, no, it's just uncommon, I think. It, it became a branding thing because they're, most of the big or better DJs are producers also, right? Like they make, yeah. they make music as well as... Yeah, they're producers or like some of them are like broadcasters or they're, they own record labels. So it's not just like, they're not just DJ. Sound like that old Yamaha keyboard, you know, used to get yeah. DJ, DJ, DJ. So quite a lot of time, people don't don't really put them. Like if you look at a lineup on a festival, there's no like DJ in front of people's names. I'm actually a little bit apart from DJ Snake, maybe. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little bit shocked that you didn't bring like any sort of like sound effect board for this podcast, being the DJ that you are, and just go wah 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 wah, or like a boo, like every oh, time. Shit, like, we're missing out. Like a boo button. Uh, Producer Lucy, can you sort this out, please? Thank yeah. you. Maybe I can uh, get a few things together. Amazon Prime, same day. We can have this by the end of the episode if, we're, if we hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so not so long ago, I caught up with Shannon Lynn, who's one of the goalkeepers for Scotland. She did a detours, dead ends and destinations uh, for us. And lots of players have gone through several hardships through their lives and football has helped them out tremendously. And here is her story. Detours, dead ends and destinations. When I finished university in indiana i started actually this like coaching goalkeeper coach at, at another university and i had a girlfriend that i had met a year before on 28th of 
July 2007, I met her. And on the 28th of July 2008, she got really sick and um, ended up that she had meningitis and within a couple of days she had passed away. So in amongst that happening was my football career. And before that had happened, there was this combine in Florida with when the professional American league was going to start again. So it was tryouts. So every coach in that league got to pick like a certain amount of players. So it was 125 players that got invited to this. And a couple of weeks before I had got that invitation and when Sarah, Sarah was alive, I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. That was going to be in September. And Sarah passed away July 31st, 2008. And I was like, no way I'm, I can't do this, you know? So it ended up, I just somehow went and that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life besides the day that this had actually happened. And I ended up going and it, it was like the strength of her knowing and was like telling me how proud and excited she was. And this is us, 22 years old, kids basically, and just like, whoa, like that was like one thing. I, I was almost going to become a professional soccer player. And we were like, holy crap, you know? I know we're 22, and, but we were in complete love and was ready to, you know, start our life. And I'm thinking I'm going to be a pro, you know. <laughs> Obviously, it took everything out of me to go, but I just realized that, you know, and the cliches of what you say, but she would have really wanted me to at least try. And I went and tried and it went okay, fine, but... I mean, I wasn't there, you know, but I did it. But that's where the next break comes is that when I ended up going, which luckily I did, I met a girl from Scotland who was also at the combine. And, you know, she had this Scottish accent. And I was like, oh, it's like, I'm Scottish too. She's like, what do you mean? Tell her my, you know, my parents are Scottish and I'm from Canada, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, okay. I'll get your, I'll add you on Facebook or whatever it was. The next year, she contacted me, like almost a year later. Out of blue, I hadn't spoken to her, nothing, but wrote me and was like, hey, we need a goalie at my club here in Hibernian is where I played. Uh, I ended up coming to play. And, and she's like, we need a goalie for three months. Do you fancy it? And I said to my dad, and that was when, you know, I was going through so much and I was still having a really hard time and saying to my dad, like, should I do it? You know, and he's like, well, it's three months. Like, you know, what can you lose? That kind of thing. I was like, all right. And went to Scotland and played for Hibs and ended up playing three months season. Went back home in December into Canada and was kind of like, am I going to go back or what am I going to do? In hope that I would get called into the Scottish national team, I end up getting an email to be invited to Scotland national camp. Went to that camp and knock on wood, but I have been at every single camp since then. So that's 10 years later. And I've been in the national team since that camp that I ended up you know, getting invited to that very first after those three months in Scotland. So I was, you know, low. And I, I, I was seriously 
didn't think I was going to survive. I got really sick and I, I got, you know, I got myself, you know, I drank and I, I didn't know what to do and I didn't know where to go. And I, I didn't know who I was. And, you know, I was this in, in love 22 year old and I had never felt that way before. And I thought this is one year I only got given and what the hell, you know? And for somehow I just said, give it a go. And the reason was it's football. That's when I always go back to how I love football and how much fun it is. And now it sounds corny and cheesy and all that, but it saved my life. And I, I really, really believe it did. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Big up, Shannon. That's a cool story. I mean, it's obviously not cool for a lot of reasons, but it's cool that um, she came out the other side going through something terrible. Have you ever had sort of real hardships at any point in your career? Not necessarily my career as a player. I mean, outside. But as like, well, yeah, when I was younger, when I was twelve years old, my my best friend, we we shared a birthday, uh-huh. and he was my best friend when I lived in Oregon for like three four years. Um, sort of went through a rough rough period at like thirteen years old and took his own life, Blimey. and that was like a real rough thing for me. Obviously, at that age, only because you see it now and. The world's so connected now, but it's a scary thought to think that there's still people that feel really alone in, around, you know? Yeah. And so I sort of try to make take that, especially knowing that the world can be so connected that you can actually make a difference and try to actually just turn things into open dialogues and make sure you're checking on people and making sure people feel kind of comfortable of, of uh, to talk and that there's people around no matter how sort of alone they feel. Yeah. Um, because there's no blueprint for when you go through something like she went through. There's no take this pill, walk this far, listen to this music, talk to this person. There's no route. There's no timeline. There's none of that. So it's just about, you know, uh, sort of a, a around your circles of people, uh, making sure that you're there for people and, and that not that you think they are, but that sometimes you're willing to have that what might feel uncomfortable conversation with somebody um, so that you're there supporting them. Did, uh, yeah. did football help a lot in that time? Were you playing, you were playing quite a bit of soccer then, weren't you? Yeah, so that was at the age where things started. To, so he was on my competitive team. That's when yeah. things got competitive. Yeah, I think football was, was, a, was a major thing for me. There was a lot of bad things happening in my, like things that I couldn't control at that age. Mm. And I was 12. He was 13. So we had the same birthday. He was a year older than me. Um, But I think football was a a massive, and just sports in general, because I was still playing other sports then, was a massive distraction to the kind of things I was going through. And at that age, your brain has got all kinds of chemical imbalances. You know, your body's changing, all these types of things. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, that, that, it makes it hard. So sports was definitely sort of my escape and sort of became that for a long time. Yeah, I think football is like the only thing I can do. And this includes DJing as well, where I'm doing it and I do not think of anything else. Like nothing at all goes through my head. It's kind of amazing. It's very strange. It's like um, meditating or something. Somebody was asking me that today of like, I went to lunch with an old friend of mine and he was like, yeah, you told me, I saw him last night and he was like, yeah, you told me in the morning you were going to go for a run. And he's like, you made me really feel down about the fact that you were going to get up. You know, I had a few drinks yesterday mm-hmm. with him and get up and go for a run. 
I, I can't believe that after your career, you still enjoy running. And I was like, I hate running. <laughs> I'm just doing it because I need to exercise. And I would actually pay money for somebody to set up a football pitch somewhere around here so I could just have the distraction of playing football, getting touches, getting a workout, and then being done, having a little bit of competition or having a little bit of fun and, and, and being done. It's such an escape for me still, the once or twice a week that I get to do it, that out here, I'm, I'm exercising to exercise, but I absolutely hate the torturous thought of me by myself, music or not, running, and then basically reliving your life over a 30-minute run of going like, <laughs> I think I left the iron on or I think, you know, like I, I wonder what this person's doing or I probably should have said sorry to that person 19 years ago. <laughs> like those kinds of things are torturous for me. But football is like no matter what it is, it's gone for that period that I'm playing. Are you a, mu- are you a music guy when you run or you're nothing, nothing guy? I think those nothing people are a bit weird. I, I am a music person, but more often than not, I found carrying. So I'm running with like my Beats wireless headphones right now and I don't have the like the, the sport ones. Um, so beats, if you want to send me a pair of sports, <laughs> I was going to say, was yeah. that a casual plug? No, <laughs> but I've been wearing these big, heavy, the heavy ones and, and they actually work. It's just that usually I, I it have the intent of listening to music, but the idea of, I don't have like an arm sleeve or something like that. I got targeted a couple days ago by, you know, sliders or like the undershorts you would wear to go running. Oh yeah. There is a full phone sleeve on the quad. Yeah. I've seen that. I have a pink surprise, surprise. Cause it was the only one in the shop uh, armband phone carrier if you want to borrow it sometime I can hook I can hook a brother up I love the music because it's a huge distraction I've actually you know and I told you guys this a few days ago started listening to talk podcasts in the morning when I run Mm. and uh, our producer Lucy pointed out that you tend to run or she she tends to run slower but longer Mm. on a talk podcast than faster when it's like music and I definitely was doing that like I I wasn't in a hurry to get home toward till towards the end of the podcast I was listening to yeah. <clears throat> our podcast. <laughs> I was gonna uh, say I was like, was it us? Uh, about forty one minutes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I skipped through the features because I've heard those now. But I like just listening to things over again. One to make sure that I haven't embarrassed my family. But two, <laughs> just like there's other podcasts that I listen to. But just like going on a nice long run, I didn't feel like the music shifting to another song could can sort of shift my mood or whatever. It was just like yeah. a nice long run. I didn't feel in a hurry. I just felt like I was listening to a, a podcast the way that I would at home, except now I'm exercising. What have about you, ever, you? Have you ever heard? Do, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've listened to podcasts when I've ran. I went on a really, really big run at the beginning of the year uh, and I listened to like a podcast that was like a few hours long because I my my way of it was like right if I can listen to this whole podcast I've probably done X so Joe hours. Rogan for sure then yeah it was like yeah. three yeah. hours <laughs> or, some, or some shit yeah and by the time I'd ended it like I'd run like half a marathon so I was like cool that made it a bit easier to be fair yeah I, I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure that that's what I mean uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, mine's literally like get to forty minutes and I'm happy because things are starting to hurt. You know? I was trying to prove a point. Basically, I was like, I said to someone, oh, I reckon I can reckon I reckon I could run a half marathon with with no training. And she was like, go on then. I was like, fuck. So I did it just to prove a point. So you actually ran a half marathon? Yeah. On yeah. the like on the, on the, on the fly. Just yeah. like I wasn't thinking pump, too pumped bad. up your kicks and just started like, no, I'll start now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, but probably won't be doing it anytime soon again. I'm doing I'm doing like a triathlon in September. Which can be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Haven't bought a bike yet, so it's it's crazy though <laughs> the way that you have to. Yeah, <laughs> those <Shit>. help. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Those help. Uh, I, I, it's crazy, though, because uh, I saw Chelsea Grimes post on social media today also, and same thing for yourself, that mm. uh, teams are in preseason now and getting workouts yeah. in, and she hasn't done, like, she told me she did, like, a couple hours of playing football yesterday, but for the most part, it's not like it's competitive or, like, she's, not, she's, like, she's way behind, and, and you, you guys that are doing so many things at a professional level, like at a high level, it's crazy just how you're able to figure out how to stay in shape and, and, and do all the rest. Yeah, I am. Um, so my preseason starts actually a week before I get back from this. So I'll miss two, I think two sessions or whatever, but I just put in all my preseason dates in my diary and I'm looking at my tour schedule and I'm like, this is going to be tough, <laughs> <laughs> but I've done used to it now. And like, I just have to stay really um, organized and, make sure that I am hydrated and I have a gym in my hotel yeah. is like one of the things I ask for. Real quick, do you find yourself though, when you're on a pitch after, you know, nights that you haven't slept much, gone straight into a pitch or to mm. a match, do you not ever feel like your body is telling you, like, have you gotten to that point where your body's like, you should stop running, like sort of be a little, play a little smarter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was a point last season where I played in somewhere in the UK and I got picked up and got driven to my match pretty much the opposite end of the UK. Mm. And I slept in the car and I had a couple of hours sleep in the hotel. And my coach asked me if I was okay to start. Usually I'll tell him I'm too tired and I'll, I'll just be on the bench. And he and he was like, you're right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel all right, actually. So I started and <laughs> like at half time, my whole body was like, what are you doing, you idiot? Go sit on the bench. <laughs> Stop kidding yourself. Yeah. And I think I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So I have to look after myself a bit better now, for yeah. sure. And just listen to my body. But yeah. Comes um, with age. I know, mate. Don't say that. Come on, I'm still in my 20s. <sighs> You'll be fine. Thanks. Um, so we have got an inside score from Ellie. And this time it is for Argentina. The odds are stacked up against an Argentinian side who go to their first World Cup in 12 years and despite qualifying, only reformed as a team, having not played a single match for a thousand days in between 2015 and 2017. Their history at the World Cup isn't great either, where they finished bottom of the group in the two times they've appeared in the tournament, including 2007, where they lost all six matches and conceded a hard to believe 33 goals. But featuring a squad now primarily playing in Europe's biggest leagues and on the back of an impressive third place finish at last year's Copa America Femenina, the 37th ranked Las Albis Celestes will still be looking to at least pick up a point or two, provided recently on sign-in, Thola Jaimes has the same scoring boot she had on at last year's Copa America. But when it comes to Argentina, here's what really matters. Inside Score. Inside score. Whilst the previously mentioned Thole will carry the hopes and expectations for all Argentinians this summer, it's actually a player who didn't even make the Argentinian squad who's all the talk of the women's game back home. Whilst they linger in the third tier in the men's footballing pyramid, Buenos Aires side, UAI Urquida, are something of a football powerhouse in the women's game, playing in the top division, regularly beating the likes of River and Boca and lifting many a trophy. And it's perhaps for this reason that rising star Macarena Sanchez signed for the club in 2012, where as striker, she played a central role in the club's greatest era, as UAI Urquiza won their first ever national title, then three more over the next four years she played. But the good times came to an abrupt halt, for Sanchez at least, in January this year. Smack bang in the middle of the season, Maka, as she's known by friends, received a call from her club in which she was notified by her coach that they were dispensing with her services. Her coach justified it as footballing reasons without any other coherent explanation. 
Whilst Argentinian league rules meant she wasn't allowed to join another club halfway through the season, Argentinian women's football culture meant Sanchez also didn't have a contract with the club that she played for, which meant she couldn't receive any money or any payout of any income. In fact, for the past half decade, despite leading the line with the most successful club in the country, all Sanchez was privy to was a paltry 400 Argentinian pesos or £8.25 a month for travel. For Sanchez, who often didn't even receive those travel expenses, it was the final straw. And the now 27-year-old decided to take the issue to the top, taking legal action against her former club and the Argentinian Football Association, seeking compensation and professional status. And whilst the Sanchez case is still ongoing, huge change in the game was enacted less than two months after Macarena's claim. As in March, flanked by a dozen or so female players, AFA president Claudio Chiquitapia held a press conference to confirm the establishment of a professional league next season, which will see the federation support the country's first 16 clubs with financial subsidies. On top of that, Tapia promised the AFA planned to pay far more attention to its female footballers, including the creation of a high-performance centre, a female exclusive dressing room at the national team training HQ and providing pitches for teams that don't have their own facilities. Whilst Tapia was the spokesperson who announced the changes, many wanted to make it clear who was really behind the movement, the still uncontracted Sanchez, who took to Twitter stating, women's football is professional. It is the first step and it was all ours. Those who no longer play but still joined our fight and those who were playing and did not stop the fight despite the pressures. But it wasn't just Sanchez's actions that led to this change, as the entire nation is currently undergoing radical cultural upheaval thanks to a series of movements that are successfully protesting and changing the country's infamous machista culture. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. So, if Scotland beat Argentina, they can technically go through as a third placer. I think they would go through instead of Nigeria. But what about Argentina? Argentina. You just still had their inside score, and then I know, yeah, basically that Scotland's going to take them from, take it away from. Them. No, Argentina's on one, so if they won, they have a much better chance to go through, right? On four points. If Argentina win, they go through. Wow. Yeah. So, so they've all they've all got stuff to play for. Yeah. This is when it gets kind of shitty that kickoffs happen at the same time, I know, the third yeah. match, because I mean, I guess you could have two TVs or a screen, but we got the big screen in here uh, for all the matches. And I'll, I'll obviously be watching the England game. Oh, they're playing too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, obviously, the England game is, 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 is what's going to go down in here because I'm here for the beer throwing. So Yeah, there's still uh, not been any beer throwing, is there? No, it's been a respectful buildup, mm. I think, is a good thing. You know, you don't want to get overexcited. Plus, people like... Oh, blimey, uh, yeah. what's that? Someone threw, someone threw their first beer across the room. Uh <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we can do that. Like not in the clubhouse where a goal is scored. Everybody runs outside quickly, throws it up in the air, stands under the waterfall of beer coming down. We run back inside, check the replay, <laughs> go on to the next one. Don't get messy in here. Yeah. I've just seen all the, uh, the beer that's been delivered to the clubhouse upstairs. And there's like two lines of it leading perfectly down to the stairs where the podcast is recorded. It's yeah. like a royal corridor of beer. It's like what an American romance would look like. You know, like <laughs> we wouldn't put but. flower petals. We'd slowly lead you from a trail of Budweiser's to a <laughs> beautiful heart shaped thing of 
Budweiser cans and beers. <laughs> Some caps on the to bed. To like a fondue fountain with Budweiser <laughs> spraying out of it. With those frogs. Who <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you say your name. Yeah. God, that got weird, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just trying to be American here. I know, yeah. I got quite into it, to be fair. Yeah. Um, right, that is all we've got. That was a great outro, by the way. Um, and if you would like to subscribe, like I said, you can. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review or just, you know, DM Heath. Yeah, I know reviews sound silly, but uh, they help us. They help uh, justify what we're doing. And it helps also continue to get this in front of more eyeballs. So the more re- you review, the more subs- subscriptions we have, the more of a chance we have to share this with everyone. So, um, and also subscribe to our daily newsletter that's going out during the tournament. Head to copa90.com slash WC19 and click or tap on Copa90 France Daily to sign up. Uh, get in touch because we love to hear from you as well. Football Inside Out at copa90.com and tweet us using the hashtag, hashtag copa90insideout. Goodbye. Bye. Copa90, Football Inside Out.